2005's Revenge of the Sith capped off an epic saga of six films before the saga expanded. It seemed the world was waiting with bated breath to find out exactly how Anakin became Darth Vader. To some, it disappointed. To others, it created new, lifelong fans. Uh, we're talking about us, of course. Welcome to Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hello, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and OMG. Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> We're here. <laughs> we are here. We have arrived. Um, and I can't believe we're already at Revenge of the Sith. I know. Me neither. And it, just, it honestly feels like we're almost done with the Machete series, and I'm kind of sad yeah. about it. I know, but we still have two more films. I know. <laughs> we're not like, I mean, we're over halfway done, but it's weird because Machete series, I'm just automatically like, oh, Return of the Jedi is next, and then we're done. I but honestly might pop it in after we're done recording. <laughs> I Return of the Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie, and I have avoided watching it since we since before since I knew that we were doing going to do this series so for a long time and I have been itching <laughs> to get to return the Jedi so I am super excited the payoff is gonna be really good it's gonna be so good but today is all about Revenge of the Sith yes indeed yeah. but before we do that we have a good chunk of housekeeping to get through so if you'll bear with us we have a lot of fun announcements that we need to tell you all about so charlotte do you want to start with our first and biggest announcement we have joined forces with unmistakably star wars and jonah marie masias of the wookie gunner and rebels chat to bring you a whole new network we're i'm sure you've seen it all over social media but basically we have all come together to create a network called star wars escape pods and honestly we couldn't be more excited about this collaboration that's happening. Um, basically, all you need to know is that all those awesome shows that I just mentioned will be available on one feed, the Star Wars Escape Pod feed. But our feed will remain, um, and you can, if you're subscribed to this feed, like it's all good. But you can go get some more content over there. Yes, so it's all good in the hood. Uh, if you're subscribed to our main Sky Talkers feed. You don't have to do a thing. Uh, you're still good to go. But we would encourage you to go follow Star Wars Escape Pods on Twitter. Check out their website, our website, not their website, our website. Um, it's not, it's still under construction. So, you know, it's not perfect quite yet. As some of you know, as most of you know, we were a part of the Assembly of Geeks podcasting network when we first started this podcasting journey. And don't worry, there's no bad blood. Nothing happened to cause us to leave that network and join this network. Charlotte and I just saw this really great opportunity to be a part of a network that was exclusively all about Star Wars. And for us, that was really exciting. And so that's why we decided to make the journey over to Star Wars Escape Pods. Um, but we still love everyone over at Assembly of Geeks. And they actually just launched a new show called Geek Supreme. So you guys should definitely go check it out. It's a lot of fun. So if you have any questions about Star Wars Escape Pods, please don't hesitate to ask us and we will tell you what's up. And we also recorded on Unmistakably Star Wars um, a couple of days ago with Jonna Marie and uh, Devin and Eve, uh, a episode all about friendships in Star Wars. And 
it was so much fun to record. So you guys should definitely go and check that out on Unmistakably Star Wars. And we talk a little bit about why we wanted to start this new network in the first place. So that would be a great place to hear a little bit more about our vision and our goals for this new network that we have created and we are so excited about. It's so exciting. By the way, the Twitter is We Are Escape Pods. Oh, so yeah. That go would be follow. Helpful, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> go and follow. Uh, we got to get that follow in up. So. Um, The next announcement that's super, super, super exciting is you all know that Rebels is coming October 16th. The new season, the last season, we're all going to cry. It's going to be great. I'm not ready. (laughs) I'm I'm totally ready. I'm I mean, I'm ready, but like I'm totally ready. I'm I'm so excited for more Star Wars content. (laughs) Yeah, I am really excited about that. Uh, We're not going to really talk about it right now on our channel, but the confusion of this schedule has like messed with my head like, <laughs> I, I don't get it <laughs> I know it's well, really confusing but anyway yeah. <laughs> we obviously are really excited about it and want to talk about it so we're launching a mini series within sky talkers called fulcrum files where we will record an episode after every episode <laughs> and get into it and discuss things have some friends on it's gonna be awesome I mean no it's not really gonna be that awesome no I'm kidding it's, <laughs> it's gonna be so great we are really excited we one of our very first episodes is was actually talking about uh, the Saul Guerrero episode of Rebels uh, so you can go back and listen to that if you want <laughs> uh, but we had a really fun time talking about Rebels and of course we covered the end of season three as well on our show but to come back for season four with a dedicated uh, Fulcrum Files show all about Rebels. Uh, it's I'm really excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we got some new art for that show, so a new logo created by Melissa Thomas at Melty Arts on Twitter. And you can head over to our website if you want to catch a sneak peek of it. Uh, before it kind of launches. So we're really excited. We don't know what the schedule of that show is going to be (laughs) quite yet. Uh, See my earlier comments of confused about the Rebels schedule itself, and you'll understand why we're not sure when Fulcrum Files is going to premiere. (laughs) Um, But it'll be around October 16th. Yeah, so that's happening. And that's obviously in addition to our Every Other Saturday show. Mm -hmm, That's not replacing. It's just an extra bonus. (laughs) (laughs) So the next thing on, (laughs) wow, we have a lot of news. I know. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. But the next thing on our list is we are super behind on our (laughs) Patreon bonus. In addition to our Star Wars. Yeah, Stars (laughs) of Star Wars series. But at the same time, we're still going to ask you to vote for what (laughs) Hayden Christensen movie we should cover. Um, so as you guys might have known, we are doing these free, like side note, free (laughs) on our Patreon page recordings of us talking about movies by actors in Star Wars. So stars of Star Wars movies. Yes. So this week it is Hayden Christensen because Revenge Mm -hmm. of the Sith is Hayden's movie. And so the ones that we have chosen, so there's a poll on our Twitter, a... Life is a House, or B, Shattered Glass. Um, Very different movies. Both equally amazing. Yeah, they're both really good, actually. If you haven't watched either of them, you should. Uh, and I haven't watched either of them in a really long time. So I actually, for all of our polls so far, I've had a preference for what movie I want picked, but this one I really don't. I know, me neither. And 
to me, like, I really love Life is a House. Like, it was the first movie I ever cried in, which is really bizarre. And (laughs) it's just so good. And Hayden is so angsty. But at the same time, Shattered Glass, like, I love that movie. It is so good. Shattered Glass is so good. (laughs) Cheryl and I have this, like, slight birthday joke that we send back and forth every year from Shattered Glass where it's like if I had a party or a birthday party and all we did was play Monopoly would you come (laughs) and then I forget who responds in the movie but it's like only if I can be the little shoe I think it's Chloe Savini who says that it's so good (laughs) yeah it's it's like a stupid thing we we still yeah that's like the dumbest line from the entire movie the movie's like actually really serious and good super serious (laughs) but yeah (laughs) and uh yeah, so if you want to go back on our Patreon, you can listen to the episodes we have actually recorded of our Stars of Star Wars series, where we covered Moulin Rouge with Ewan McGregor from The Phantom Menace, and then we covered uh, Corvette Summer, uh, Mark Hamill's movie from A New Hope, and at some point, we will record Carrie Fisher's Postcards from the Edge and Natalie Portman's um, The oh, Professional. What, what? The Professional, Yeah. We will record Natalie Portman's The Professional. <laughs> it will happen. We promise. It'll happen soon. Don't worry. There's just, as you can tell, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of Star Wars. There's a lot there's of stuff. Time. So. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I think we have done enough housekeeping and it is time to talk about Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Okay. So in part one, as we usually do, we're going to be talking about the story of Revenge of the Sith. And in part two, we are going to be talking all about the characters. And in part three, it's kind of our catch-all where we answer some Twitter questions, go through some emails, and kind of get at what we didn't discuss previously. Okay, so without further ado, let's get started. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic, before the dark times, before the Empire. A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. Yes, Master. Right. Okay, so welcome to part one. Um, Here we're going to be talking about the story. So we're in an interesting position because right now we're deep within the flashback section. Flashback? Flashback. The The flashback section of the Machete Order. So as you guys might have known, we've been doing the Machete Order by starting with the Phantom Menace and then four, five, and then two, three, and then six, and then seven. Um, And right now we are deep within the flashback sequence, right? So basically we have been, this episode is interesting to me because we're coming off of watching Attack of the Clones, so it's like basically as normal as it could be in terms of watching sequence, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
it's weird because I, I don't really think about Revenge of the Sith in relation to Machete Order when we're coming into it, if that makes sense. Like when we put it in because we've just come out of Attack of the Clones. I think, I think so about too. It, yeah. I think about it a lot more once we'll move on to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, I think we'll be referencing it a lot in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because there's just so many themes in Revenge of the Sith that reflect really well in Return of the Jedi, just because mm-hmm. it's it's the turn in Return of the Jedi is the return. So Return. Return. Yeah. I mean, that's the point. <laughs> so, <laughs> how does it feel coming from Attack of the Clones, though? And do, do we get a sort of continuity with these characters? I think so. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, it is interesting with the time jump. Uh, from Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith. And I was thinking about this, and it's interesting how we don't, or you don't hear as much critique about the time jumps in the original trilogy like you do in the prequel trilogy, and how people always talk about, and and rightly so, I think about how you miss a lot of the development of the friendship between Obi-Wan and Anakin in the prequel trilogy because you have these really big time jumps uh, between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And you have a much smaller time jump between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, but we're missing out on the whole Clone War. Yeah. I mean, of course, we have the TV series, but, you know, if we're talking just about movies here, we are missing a big part of what bonded them as brothers. But in the same vein, we miss a lot of that in the original trilogy. Maybe not as much, and I think you can argue that the characterization in the original trilogy is better than it is in the prequel trilogy. But, like, between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, there's... What is it? It's it's three years, isn't it? Um, I think that's still, like, being decided. <laughs> it's, it's still a good amount of time. I think it's... For, yeah, I think it's I mean, roughly three years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, it's at least a year. Yeah. And so you do... I mean, we miss a lot. I mean, we talked about this in our Empire Strikes Back episode where you, we have no idea what happened with Han and Leia. You know? know? We're just coming into the middle of what is a you know define the relationship relationship (laughs) and you know there's this really strong bond between luke and han that we saw started in a new hope but we don't really see the events that really strengthen that relationship we just see that it is this really strong relationship like when han goes out to rescue luke as that was something i i was thinking about while watching this is how we don't critique those time jumps as much in the original trilogy like we do in the in the prequel trilogy. And I definitely think that's just because we heard about the Clone Wars. We were expecting the Clone Wars and Attack yeah. the Clones was called Attack the Clones. We only saw like the end and we And I been... think that's fair. I think yeah, that's me a too. fair critique. Me too. And the thing is, is that I, to me, I was thinking about this when I was, I just finished watching Revenge of the Sith. But we both did. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this movie is separated into four very distinct parts. There's the beginning that establishes Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship and, you know, everything on the invisible hand. And then there's the part where Anakin is very confused and super conflicted and it's just like all the stress happens, right? But he's still a Jedi. And then there's the turn and everything that happens about after the turn. And then there's the part where Anakin goes, I mean, Padme goes to see Anakin and then everything falls into place, right? But the Galactic Empire. I honestly think that like a normal movie follows like three specific parts, right? And this one is four because they have to set up certain parts of Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship. Like the whole beginning exists purely to first off take the action away 
from Coruscant so that Anakin and Padme have been separated. And then also to, you know, set up this sort of like bond between the friendship because there has, there's so many lines in this movie that I was noticing where they mention, you know, Anakin's disappointed in Obi-Wan as a friend and like friend and brothers and, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's why the beginning exists. And I I love the beginning and I wish that, honestly, I wish Attack the Clones was more like the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say too. I do think, I think you could put Revenge of the Sith into three sections, kind of following what you were talking about with Anakin's emotional state. You know, you have the beginning where it's him and Obi-Wan and everything is fine. And then you have this middle part where it's confusion, anxiety, he's worried about Padme, all of that is kind of bubbling to the surface. And then part three is Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you could track it that way. I think you obviously could segment it up more. Like I feel like did. I have like a lot of arguments against that just because like Vader isn't its own section. Like because Anakin's descent into darkness only gets deeper as the movie happens that he's still conflicted even after he says, I'll do anything you ask to Palpatine. I know. I, I mean... <laughs> Obviously, like, the discussion of when Anakin actually becomes Darth Vader is... Is one that we've already had on this podcast. One that we've already had. You can go back. There's... But let me clarify. The reason why I think that that fourth section, when Padme goes to Mustafar, is like, that's when, like, the snap into Vader happens. He is, like, totally gone. Well, that's where I think... I think it starts at... I mean, I guess you could say that third section. You could say it starts when Palpatine christens him Darth Vader. That doesn't mean he's emotionally Darth Vader but when he's like I said when he's been christened Darth Vader I think you could start part three there but I also think you could start part three when he gets to Musafar and kills the Trade Federation people um because I mean that's where that's where Vader clicks for me I mean I don't I don't think it's wrong to to shift that where that part three starts whether it's with Padme or with Palpatine you know wherever but I think I think like tracking it through those three sections is probably a little smoother rather than four I mean, yeah. apples oranges. It's not really, yeah, totally. <laughs> but I think it's. I think it's. I honestly think it's interesting to think about about how this movie is. It honestly feels super segmented, though. I that and that's why I think it's worth talking about. Like other yeah, other does. Star Wars movies, I don't think have this like very rigid segmentation. But I honestly think mm-hmm. that like this movie had so much to do and so much to wrap up, and like yeah. that's how George thought about it in his mind. It was it was interesting because when we when I when we when I was watching the movie today um how the beginning is kind of this similar setup to phantom menace with obi-wan and qui-gon when they were ambushing the trade federation but you see how obi-wan and anakin are so much more like partners than obi-wan and qui-gon they were more like master apprentice their relationship like obi-wan and anakin's have shifted more into friendship and i thought that was an interesting parallel because they're both like going onto these ships to you know do a thing and it's just the two of them and they get captured and you know it it follows kind of similar beats yeah so how how do you feel about anakin's descent into darkness do you do you buy his dark side turn i i think that a lot of people when they first saw this movie were like ah that's a ridiculous way to fall to the dark side like i thought of something so much more badass right in my fanfic yeah and like (laughs) so much more dark like but how do you how do you what do you think about it i think i appreciated it a lot more in this viewing and this is something i really loved about our machete series is that i've watched these films so much more closely 
Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly with the prequel trilogy, it's not something that you can watch one or two times and pick up on everything that George Lucas and Lucasfilm put into these films. Um, I, oh, it's such a complicated question. Um, <laughs> I think because I believe that Anakin truly loves Padme that and his and with that love is also his obsession with her as well. I I do buy his descent into darkness is caused by her. And I think you see it. This was something that I picked up on uh, that I hadn't really paid much attention to is Padme's ruminations scene. I, I mean, obviously, I love that scene and I love the music. But that scene is actually called Anakin's fatal decision. Mm-hmm. That's what it's called in the chapter breakdown, which I thought was really interesting how you, Anakin's fatal decision while the piece of music is called Padme's Ruminations. Mm -hmm. But you see in Anakin's face in that moment when he's sitting in the council that by allowing Mace Windu to go and kill Palpatine, he's condemning his wife to death. Yeah. And And he he knows it too, I think. Yeah, and you see that conflict. And in that second, he's like, that cannot happen. I won't let that happen. And and then I think that, yeah, sorry. No, no, I interrupted you. But I I honestly think that's, one of the most powerful scenes in all of Star Wars. You can understand everything about the situation and how those two characters are feeling just by like these close-up shots of these of their faces. And I think it's super underrated. It is. And I seeing that it was called Anakin's Fatal Decision like completely changed my perception of that scene because I think in the past I whenever people talk about that scene, I feel like a lot of it is, oh, Padme is having these forced feelings because she's pregnant and they're like connected and He's missing her. I don't ever think I thought of it as like a decision moment for Anakin. Um, I don't know why, but even with yeah. the tear, <laughs> yeah. he cries. I mean, like it's it's very know, intense, I, and then he like runs away. It is, yeah. it is really intense. Yeah, I, or it just it just clicked a lot more for me in this in this viewing. And then also when he is with Palpatine and he's being christened Darth Vader. When the when he goes onto his knees and he says, you know, I will I will do whatever you ask. You see such remorse mm-hmm. in his face, and then he puts his head down, and 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 Palpatine says something like, "I feel the dark side" or whatever. And then when Anakin lifts his face again, it's like all dark side. It's like he can he can feel the dark. It's like he's allowed the dark side to take over. Yeah, I I completely like that whole thing and that scene too where he's like just help me save Padme's life. And yeah. it's like it's very sad because and then Palpatine is like such an uh I hate him so much. Or he's like <laughs> the power to achieve death. Like it, it's only a, a power that one has one achieved. Has. And it's like honestly like that's that was, not what okay. you said. <laughs> that was a really good Palpatine impression. <laughs> slide that in (laughs) (laughs) and i i just like it uh, i i every time i watch revenge of the sith i feel sadder and that's not a word more sad for (laughs) anakin and i just i feel his the weight of all the world on his shoulders and everything Mm -hmm. is working against him it's just so sad to me like yeah he doesn't know what to do yeah and like even I was struck by the scene where Obi-Wan asks Anakin to spy on the Chancellor. And I think this is a really good scene that, again, I don't think enough people talk about, where Anakin's like, that's treason. Like, I don't want to do that. Why are you asking this of me? He's talking about what's out of place. And I'm going to get the line wrong, which is ridiculous because I know the line. I've seen this movie one jillion times. But, like, (laughs) he's like, as a friend, that's what's out of place here. And yeah. 
it's very sad to me because then you you systematically see that breakdown of that friendship and that loss yeah. of trust. That's I, that's interesting because I picked up on a different part of that scene too about the relationship when just before the line you're talking about when Anakin says, I didn't ask to be put on the council and Obi-Wan like retorts, but it's what you wanted. Yeah. See, it, I, I kind of hate that because again, yeah. it like sets up Anakin and Obi-Wan as like, adversaries Adversaries. yeah and at the same time it's like knowing obi-wan's character he is completely loyal to the council Mm -hmm. and you know like you can tell in that scene that obi-wan is uncomfortable with what they're asking anakin to do but to him it's like obi-wan hasn't yet seen the era of the jedi yeah and so to him it's he he's he's gotten pieces of it from dark disciple right? right but he's not entirely there yet yeah, I just like it. It just makes me really sad because even yeah. the scene before that, when Anakin is talking to Padme, and Padme's like, "Do you think Obi Wan can help us?" and and Anakin's like, "No, like we don't need to talk to tell him. Like it's fine." There's so much like because there's so much under the surface about like Anakin's com- competitiveness, and then like the Council mm-hmm. not telling Anakin anything, or Obi-Wan not telling Anakin anything, like, that's why Anakin never would talk to Obi-Wan about this. Even though, like, obviously I think people have a hunch about Padme and Anakin, so. The more I watch yeah. this movie, the more I'm like, ugh, God, it's so obvious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship is just so complicated. Yeah. Um, and it was something I paid a lot more attention to, particularly from Obi-Wan's point of view, this viewing uh i mean because when you looking at it coming out of attack of the clones and tracking anakin talked about obi-wan in attack of the clones Mm -hmm. this kind of um this conflict between them makes sense in revenge of the sith that we see in the second part of the movie but then they spend this first part of this movie really building up their friendship too so it's layered and i think that's i don't think that's bad i don't think that's like bad storytelling that it's it's a layered relationship but then when we take into account the clone wars we don't see as much of that tension in the clone wars that maybe we should have seen a little bit more of um it's always like i mean obi-wan is always like oh there goes anakin again <laughs> It's like, but it, but it's, yeah, it's like humorous, it's snarky. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, you know, what are you going to do? But it's never, it's never like in, like it is in Attack of the Clones. You never see Clone Wars Anakin um, saying to Padme, like, we don't need Obi-Wan's help. Like, he can't help us. Like, you don't see that kind of friction between them in the Clone Wars, where maybe we should have to kind of tie more into Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Maybe this calls for a clone wars rewatch <laughs> i want to just looking specifically for that <laughs> we gotta we gotta get through stars of star wars and fulcrum files and then yeah. we can tackle clone wars again <laughs> yeah, for sure okay so what is added to the story now that we have put the phantom menace in front of this machete order to me i think it adds a more complete vision to anakin's whole journey and who he is as a character and like what he's come from and what he's risked to be a jedi that so much more is at stake by not cutting out the phantom menace i agree i think that's probably the strongest pull for it mm-hmm. and then i think it, and then i think as well the characterization of obi-wan and yoda is a lot more complete um and a lot more nuanced when you have phantom menace at the front but as far as, like, the story beats of Phantom Menace in relation to Revenge of the Sith, I mean, I don't really think it's... Yeah, I, I didn't find myself thinking that much about Phantom Menace in, 
while watching Revenge yeah. of the yeah, I agree with that. I didn't I didn't really either. Like I really yeah. I was just thinking about Anakin as a character and like that's where you draw his yeah. like origin from. Mm-hmm. So and, that and that's yeah. and, and it like helps to have that. Yeah. And a lot of the references like when I when I what that they make is more explicitly to Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Anakin. So yeah. yeah, although I'm still like very obsessed with Phantom Menace to a New Hope. So <laughs> I like it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, and I'm not sure if this fits into our story section, but this movie, like the the cinematography and the way that scenes are set up in this movie, I think is so interesting to watch. And there's just so many really cool visual decisions that George Lucas made throughout this film, um, both in terms of like how the CG is set up and just how the, how certain shots are staged. So what's your favorite? Uh, the one I really liked this time was when Anakin was confronting Palpatine and they are just like circling around each other. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and I love how in that great. scene, Anakin like snaps into focus the moment, yeah. um, you know, he's like, Palpatine's like even the dark side and he's like jumps in front of him and is like, you know, the dark yeah. side. And it's like that was like a really good Jedi moment to me that they totally set up mm-hmm. and it yeah. really it proved that Anakin was like totally on edge. Yeah, but and and in that just like how they're circling each other and the way that they're talking to each other, you can tell that Anakin is like what do I do? Like what if what he's saying is true? Yeah. You know? But then he's also like no, like like I can't do that. He's a Sith Lord. The the one thing I will never understand about this movie is why Anakin just like casually walks up to Mace window and Mace is like, Hey, so we heard back from Obi-Wan and Anakin's like, Oh great. By the by <laughs> Palpatine is the Sith Lord. <laughs> I'm like, why aren't you running? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I, this time we'll talk about Mace a little bit later, but oh, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I have a little bit more appreciation for Mace this viewing. <laughs> you do? Yeah. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> That's not even a joke. <laughs> As, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally speechless. Okay, yeah, we'll get I'm... to that later. <laughs> okay, just to just to round off the story discussion. <laughs> are you a yay or a nay the whole Anakin turn to the dark side for love situation? I'm a yay. I think from what we have from him in, I mean, talk about Phantom Menace, the first thing he says to Padme is you're an angel. Like, this boy has been in love and obsessed with this woman for the bulk of his life of mm-hmm. course he's going to risk everything for her that that makes sense to me maybe it's not what people wanted to be the reason but i think the films set that up to be the reason yeah i completely agree like i think that there's something so beautiful about the story being like the selfish love drove him to the dark side but the self selfless love will bring him back in the end and, like, I, I just, it's, the parallels are just so good. And it's just, like, it's so beautifully set up, too, with, with Padme when she's, like, there's still good in him. And that's what Luke sees. And there is still good in him. We'll talk about, we'll talk about that in this character section. So why don't we move on <laughs> to the character <laughs> section? We do this every time. I know. We're always, like, itching <laughs> to get like, to the characters. We're gonna, they're going to, like, plot out the scenes and it's going to be great. And then we're like, all right, characters. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. uh... Part two, let's move on. <laughs> For 28 years, Star Wars has captured our imaginations. Hello there. On May 19th. 
This is where the fun begins. Join the celebration of a lifetime. Do it. The final installment of the epic Star Wars saga. Ha! Destroy the Sith. We must. Star Wars Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith rated PG-13. The saga is complete May 19th. All right. Here we are. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> Characters of Revenge of the Sith. So, Charlotte, um, I'm going to give you a challenge here. You can't talk about Padme for the this first character. All right, I won't. It's fine. Who do you want to talk about first? Um, Let's talk about Palpatine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't ever get over how many strings Palpatine is pulling in the back he here. He is a freaking puppet master. Yeah, and like... With every watch, you're like, oh, my God, Palpatine totally set that up. Ugh, Palpatine totally set that up. Oh, my God, Palpatine is so evil. And the whole, like, the little smile after he's like, to save your wife from certain death is like, honestly, (laughs) you're already going to win. Can you not? (laughs) I know. He's like ultimate villain. I really think that. It's like he checks all the villainous boxes. He checks all the villainous boxes what i something i thought was funny and this is a mace windu quote when um mace tells anakin to go tell palpatine about the about obi-wan and he's like what does he say i have it written down he says his reaction will give us a clue to his intentions and i'm like mace windu (laughs) if you think that palpatine is the dark lord of the sith all this time you think now he's gonna give you some clue to his intentions Okay, so now we're talking about Mace. <laughs> okay, so there's a couple of lines. Are you defend Mace? Like, is this what I'm walking I, into? Okay, I don't like Mace Windu as a character, but I have some thoughts about him. All right, give me your thoughts. So the whole thing is that I think that he's, like, waiting to strike and waiting for that evidence. And that's what the whole... The Jedi's just, like, sitting ducks. Like, sitting, like, not doing anything and waiting for, like, the proper evidence. Because he does say... The dark side surrounds the Chancellor. And Yoda's like, yeah, basically, you're right. And that's, like, right when Anakin comes up. So it's like, he knows, and I think they all know, or else they wouldn't have put Anakin on that mission. I don't think they do know, because that makes zero sense for the Jedi to... Because it's not like... If if Mace is waiting for evidence, and I think that is plausible to a certain degree, I don't think... It's not like he said anything to Palpatine that was like, we have evidence that you're Dark Lord of the Sith. I have seen it myself. I will kill you now. And he, I mean, he does. But like, if he was following that, um, like, very judicial due process kind of thing, he would have <laughs> taken Palpatine in. And he doesn't. He's just like, we're, 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 we're going to kill him. And Anakin's like, that's not how we do it. Okay, so still don't really like Mace. I'm just saying he does, like, kind of understand what's going on. I put okay. I put in my notes. Um, I appreciate Mace in that he is the perfect embodiment of everything that is wrong with the Jedi. <laughs> and I said, Mace is public Jedi enemy number one. <laughs> so we got an email from Ross Fund, who we've gotten an email from before. He said, you said that Mace... 
that Windu was always wrong, which I think is totally on the money. As the trilogy went along, I think the character became came to embody the flaws of the Jedi, the arrogance, the okay. unnecessary aggression, and the condescend- condescension. You also said the only time Windu is right is when he says Palpatine is too dangerous to be left alive. To me, that quote, which echoes Palpatine's early assurances to Anakin that he did the right thing in killing Dooku, was Mace's was Mace Windu at his worst. His stubbornness in trying to kill Palpatine was what inspired Anakin to act in to save the soon-to-be emperor, just as, conversely, it's Luke's non-violent self-sacrifice that inspires Vader to do the right thing at the end of Return of the Jedi. Oh, man. Like, I was thinking about that quote, too, because I think it's, like, Mm -hmm. a really big, like, signal boost to Anakin that, like, things are not going right. Because he knew in that beginning when he killed Count Dooku that he shouldn't have done that. And that was exactly what Palpatine said. Yeah. And I thought about that, too, because it's, like, Palpatine... It was one of those other things that Palpatine was controlling. He... Not only did he get Anakin to kill Dooku, Palpatine told Anakin to kill Dooku, and Anakin did it. So he has this superiority over Anakin. And in doing that action, he sows these seeds of guilt in Anakin, thus making sure that Anakin won't do that again. It's until just Palpatine. so brilliant. Like, <laughs> mic drop on you, Palpatine. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, but I completely agree with Ross. What I think is interesting, though, is because I was thinking about the Dooku thing as well. And I was like, it's not what the Jedi do. But then in Dark Disciple, that was what they were doing. They hired, not hired, but they assigned Quinlan Voss the task of assassination. So it's not outside of their realm of possibility. And it's not something new. And Anakin knew that was going on in Dark Disciple. Exactly. So it's. And That's why Dark weird. Disciple is so good, because it oh, really does yeah. set up things, which it's so it's so good. All the Clone Wars era stuff really does set up Revenge of the Sith in the best light. And it's not like Revenge of the Sith needed that propping up either. I really think it that it was... No, it it's didn't. a good movie on its own. It's what made it me is. a fan. It, it, it means everything to me. I love Revenge of the Sith. But, like, everything that we've gotten from the Clone Wars and the novels and comics and everything that relates to the, the Clone Wars really does make Revenge of the Sith so much deeper and so much better. Even the novelization, which Caitlin has not finished. I have not finished, but I'm reading it. And we're going to do a whole episode on Revenge yeah. of the Sith novelization. <laughs> so This was my consolation. <laughs> everyone just sit down, okay? <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pull that I'm in graduate school right now. I'm busy, all right? <laughs> okay, I'm trying. Crap, I forget what I was going to say. Well, what character <laughs> stood out to you the most in this viewing? I feel like I had something to say about Ahsoka, honestly. Oh, Dave Filoni. <laughs> Close uh. enough. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Filoni stood out to you the most in this viewing. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the Clone Wars connecting to everything. I I always think about this interview with Dave Filoni. I think it's from like the second season of Clone Wars or something where he's talking about how it's so hard in Clone Wars because Anakin can never meet General Grievous because of that one stupid line Anakin <laughs> said in Revenge of the Sith, where he's yeah. like, you're stronger than I expected. And Dave, in this interview, was like, I just wanted them to battle, and they can't because of that line. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get Ahsoka battling General Grievous. Yeah, anyway. I love Thanks, it, too. Dave. I think that's love so... Dave. It's it's so good. <laughs> and, like, I think there's so many... Isn't there, like, a door shuts and General Grievous is on the other side yeah. and then Anakin's yeah. on, like... It's, like, there's so many close calls and I love that, like, little tidbit. 
Yeah, it's. I think it was. Um, I think Dave was disappointed in the beginning of Clone Wars, and then he was like, "All right, I'm gonna make this fun." <laughs> <laughs> As you should. Yeah. Um, but the character that stood out to me was Obi Wan. Um, I felt so sad for Obi Wan, um, particularly in the end when. I guess because I was just thinking so much about their relationship and how layered the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin is between Attack of the Clones, Clone Wars, and Revenge of the Sith. Um, And even, you know, what we see in A New Hope, how Obi-Wan talks about it and how, like, hurt Obi-Wan must have been. Like, deeply hurt. And the scene that really got me was when he's watching the security recordings and Palpatine says, Rise, my new apprentice. And you could, like, see this moment in Obi-Wan's face where he's like, no, that's my apprentice. Oh, I've never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Like, it's, that's it's, the ultimate slap in the face. Oh, my God. I'm having a moment. <laughs> I know. And it's, it's like you and we I feel like we always think about this relationship from Anakin's point of view and how frustrated Anakin is with Obi-Wan. And I think... You know, I said I didn't really think about Phantom Menace a lot in this viewing, but I'm talking about it a lot. (laughs) Um, You know, how Obi-Wan came to care, came to be Anakin's master. These two have been through so much together. And Obi-Wan, Anakin even says that Obi-Wan is like a father to him. Mm -hmm. And just like, man, it's hard. It's it's deep. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts so bad. It hurts. Yeah. It's like, that's my apprentice. Like, you don't get to do that. It, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> the, the thing that gets me the most about this movie is Anakin and Obi-Wan's last meeting in the okay. hangar we bay. Disgusting. <laughs> And Anakin's like, he apologizes. He's like the most honest ever. And then Obi-Wan leaves. It like, it physically hurts me because if Obi-Wan was around on Coruscant during all this, Mm -hmm. none of this would have happened. It's like Palpatine had to interfere and move him to Utapau and make like a weird, like nothing conflict on Utapau so that he could go there. And take Obi-Wan's apprentice. It's so sad. <laughs> oh, okay, so can we talk about Padme now? Yeah, let's talk about Padme. Okay, so I think we need to like delve into this. Does oh, Padme really get fridged in this episode? I'm gonna let you start that answer. For it's hard because is it fridging when it's been 28 years in the making? What do you mean? I, I guess I just I guess I just mean because we. We always knew that Padme would die at some point when Leia was young. To me, I have always like rationalized it in my head because there's those awesome scenes with the start of the rebellion also deleted from this episode. And like I always knew because I read the novelization like right when the movie came out that that was happening too. And I kind of, because I'm a hopeless romantic, I kind of enjoyed seeing... And maybe I'm, like, a bad feminist for saying this, but I kind of enjoyed, like, those intimate moments between Anakin and Padme, like, in their apartment. Like, you know, there's a lot of things that I really enjoy about, like, this relationship and coming to this point. Like, the intimate, the intimacy, like, behind the giant pillar in the Senate, mm-hmm. the 
her even brushing her hair and talking about how love has blinded him. Like, it's a huge... Where they're going to set up the nursery. And... Yeah, it's like a huge foreshadowing moment for the end of the movie because love seriously does blind him. And then even yeah, when, does. like, they, you know, they wake up in the same bed and, like, Padme, like, feels him leave. And I... These are the moments that, like, I craved in Attack of the Clones that never really existed and the relationship was, like, semi-forced. Mm-hmm. Personally, like... I struggle with this because, yes, like, I wanted Padme to have a bigger role. I wanted to see her interacting with other characters. I wish there was more female characters. I hate that she's the only speaking female character in this movie. Like, I hate that. But at the same time, like, I really like seeing this side of Padme. I love when she discusses, like, do you think we're really on the wrong side? Like, Yeah, that was... It, yeah, that was my You know, it, it always talks... She's just always right about everything. And, like, this just... It's... it's that doesn't go away in this movie, you know? It doesn't. Deep breath. <laughs> yeah, need a deep breath. Because, like, it's it's really hard for me to say that because, like, I understand where people are coming from. Like, they want Padme to be, like, fighting in the Senate, like, you know, fighting tyranny against Palpatine. But, like, I think that she's just as much of a plot, part of the plot as, like, as Palpatine's plot as anyone else. And she's that's what she's supposed to be doing. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like... It's one of those things, it's it's like, yes, you we want more strong female characters. And in the case of Revenge of the Sith, we wanted to see more of Padme taking an active role in the forming of the rebellion and the rejection of Palpatine. But that doesn't mean you can't enjoy and appreciate the part that she did have in the movie. And at the end of the day, the movie was about Anakin. For better and for worse, the movie was about Anakin. And in order to sell his descent into dark side you had to amp up amp up his love for padme and their love for each other mm-hmm. and i was thinking about this while i was watching it i was like we all love the seeds of rebellion scene and wish it was in there what what would you take out to put in seeds of the rebellion i don't know i i, I honestly don't think it flows really well because of yeah the amount of segmentation that we discussed in this movie like i honestly think yeah. that like it's a really good bonus that we have in mm-hmm. in the novel and the deleted scenes yeah the, <laughs> i just have to stop because i'm not going to be able to edit this out but the people above me are like being so loud <laughs> In my I apartment. just heard them. Yeah. I, yeah, I just heard it. <laughs> okay, so everyone needs to know that, whoops. They're tuning in. Yeah. They love Padme, too. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway. It's such, it's, yeah, it's such like, a hard discussion. It's because you love her character, but you also love her character. I mean, like you said, like, we, the Anakin-Padme relationship is important to the movie. I also, like, I... I feel very deeply about the fact that, like, Padme is a flawed character and it's okay to have flawed characters. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's 100% okay for her to, like... Be upset. Be upset and, like, take... Yeah, and, like, cry and, like, take drastic action to, like, go see her husband on Mustafar. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I think that, like... I actually genuinely like the scene where she cries over the the burning Jedi temple. I think it's like a really, it's like a, it's a serious moment where it's like, if you know, yeah, like, you know, this character who's like so strong, who like, you know, led an, ah, I'm so tongue tied (laughs) over feeling so passionately about this. Like, she, I mean, no one can deny that Padme is smart, resourceful, brave. She is all these things. And the other movies have showed it to us. What we haven't seen is her more vulnerable side. Um, and this movie shows it to us. And unfortunately, it is at the expense of seeing 
her brave, her smart, her strong side too in like the political arena and in the, you know, kind of like the battle of Geonosis arena a play on words because it actually was an arena. But <laughs> um, I mean, like I said, I think for Anakin's descent to darkness, we had to focus on this side of Padme in this film. And thinking about Seeds of the Rebellion it, and scenes like it, I, I don't know where they would have gone into the film and fit as much as I love them. I know. I, you know, the thing is, I was trying to f- like find like a fix for that. And I, there should have been at least one scene of Padme Mm -hmm. being, you know, questioning above, like, the whole, her conversation with Anakin, like, questioning in the Senate, like, is this okay? Like, this isn't okay. Like, maybe it was, like, a conversation with Bale. That would have been good. That's what I was gonna say, is when the, the, where I thought something could have fit in is when Bale, after Order 66, and Bale's with Yoda and Obi-Wan, why they didn't go get Padme. Yeah, see, that's, like, that's an example of, like, like, George Lucas, like, not not putting that in and, like, kind of giving that character the the short stick. And, like, and that's frustrating because that would have been really good. Yeah, because then they could have, she could have said something about the the rebellion or uh, this is what I think we should do in the Senate. These are the action steps we need to take. Mm-hmm. And then Obi, and then you could have, you could have changed the scene where it's like after they leave the ship, that's when Obi-Wan approaches Padme to ask about where Anakin is. Yep. But no. So it's like, I, I struggle because like, obviously I want more Padme. Like I want Padme to be all the things that we saw before, but I actually like kind of like this Padme that we see in this movie. And mm-hmm. you can get, you can, you know, fight me on Twitter. Like that's fine. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like this is how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I won't invite you on Twitter. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I I struggle with the whole narrative of like Padme was like quote barefoot and pregnant in this movie too. I that kind of goes to what we were saying before, but I it, it struggle. It, I I struggle with it, and like I also. But then there's the other side where it's like I don't know if you guys have read that article that I think. It was on sci-fi.com. Maybe I'm completely wrong about that, about how the whole medical system like completely failed Padme. And I I, I always I always think about that because it's like she was brought to like this crude facility on Paulus Massa and like I I don't know, it's in no one really knew what to do with her and it's it, it's just kind of sad. But um yeah, that's that's it. That's me talking about Padme. <laughs> <laughs> all right so... wait wait no last thing oh okay <laughs> how did padme die caitlin don't that's like <laughs> when did anakin turn to the dark side you know i remember the first time i saw revenge of the sith being like wait what <laughs> <laughs> come again <laughs> a broken heart um but they, they never say that they never say that the will to live yeah it's weird because if you remember when we were watching Star Wars, when I was watching it for the first time with you, we were already deep into fan vids on YouTube. Yeah. And so it's like I had seen all of these things written about Star Wars, like Broken Heart and uh, her death scene and things like that already before I had ever actually seen Revenge of the Sith. So it's like I already, well, that's when the I saw thing that, to I was me. like, I think the na- heart. Yeah, the narrative 
that surrounds Padme's death is broken heart, but we actually, like, don't get that at all. We've, she's lost the will to live. Like, where did we get broken heart, and why is it, like, so mainstream? It's really uh, bizarre. When she goes on Musifar, she says, you're breaking my heart. Uh, okay, true. <laughs> she literally true, says, True, but, like, that's, like, a common phrase, right? So it's, like, it is. it's so, it is. it's so weird to me, because, like, I always go back to the whole, like, she had to die so that Darth Vader could live and like they're like symbionts and they're connected and like that's how it worked like her life was draining and his life was like beginning in hell yeah I mean I think visually it sets that up with like the heartbeats Mm -hmm. thing um but I also I'm also like the practical storyteller is like Padme has to die yeah that's that's the other thing is like well she can't survive so yeah like she she does like we know she doesn't survive in a new hope and Leia, the, the movie is ending so here the, we are yeah the movie like what like what do you do with her and at that point there were no other movies in the work so it's not like you could have proposed like a Padme spinoff or, or something <laughs> like that so the the practical person to me is like we like we knew she had to die um that sucks and maybe it shouldn't have been lost the will to live but I there just should have been another line where it's like I know that the droids are like um we can't explain it she's dying right and um and then the droids like we lost the will to she she's loose she's lost the will to live or whatever right mm-hmm. and I think there should have been a line where the droids are like we have no idea what's happening again like being like what the heck like this is a this is weird or what's we, happening because then it's like it's a little bit more like mystical a little bit more like fantasy what would have been interesting is if you had had like a shot of palpatine like almost like palpatine was orchestrating her death from afar like if you had had some kind of like fade in to them where you could have been like from palpatine to padme where you could have inferred that he was still in control and i never qui- had any intention of saving padme yeah i'm quiet because i'm trying to think like if that actually happens but I think the the shot is just so focused it's, on Anakin and, and yeah, Padme it's their that like yeah. But then afterwards, you see that like weird smile that like that's that's what fuels the whole like Palpatine sucking the life out of Padme theory. Yeah, yeah. That, I that think really maybe just we had does had one more shot. Of yeah, that. yeah. Like it really does work for me, and like it's it, it, it's what happens in my head. Like I don't I don't I buy like theory, yeah. yeah the the break the broken heart thing at all like i think it's dumb and i don't want that to be the end of my favorite character like i just think that's a disservice but as you said they don't actually say she died of a broken heart yeah so like that didn't happen <laughs> anyway so what were your thoughts on count dooku in this movie probably not as in depth as yours because you've been reading the novelization <laughs> <laughs> they're they're not as in depth i feel like I mean, we talked about this in our last yeah was it our last patreon episode or our last yeah patreon Sky talkers yeah. No, it's Sky Talkers because we are we are they're all Sky Talkers, but our main our main feed with Attack of the Clones because that's when I had started reading it. Um, Dooku is just a really interesting character. The thing that to me, it's like this movie again underscores that he's just a pawn in Palpatine's mm-hmm. plan. Yeah. It, yeah. That that look that he gets on his face when you know Palpatine's like, do it, kill him, yeah. Do it. Do it. And Anakin does. Like, he's, like, so shocked. And... <laughs> yeah. Come again? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, everything that he's been led to believe is a total lie, and then you have to feel really bad for him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that, like, head roll is really gruesome, I must say. The PG-13 rating 
That's why. <laughs> no, it's just it's, <laughs> uh, every time I shudder just a little bit more. <laughs> that scene to me always gets me because the music goes away and mm-hmm. it's like it's it's just very like the audience has to decide how they feel about it. Be- yeah, and, what's happening? Yeah. yeah, and that's why like the John Williams music cuts out because it's like mm-hmm. usually the John Williams music like tells you, you know, how to feel, how to feel and like this is how you're supposed to feel and this is the intention of the scene but like in that part you're like whoa like should I be like that was awesome like yeah or should I be like holy no. crap like that was not the Jedi way like he shouldn't have done that mm-hmm. and yeah you're supposed to feel that conflict and that's exactly just Anakin's like Anakin conflict. yeah yeah that's Anakin's conflict uh speaking of music I will say that Order 66 montage was giving me some real Rogue One vibes yeah you know so true because it's a montage I- yeah, and they they have similar parts. I won't say similar is a strong word because they're obviously very different, but tonally they were the same. And it was kind of like a cross between like you make my fa- your father will be proud of you and Guardian of the Wills with the choir in it. So it was, I felt some sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> some type of way. Some type of way. It's just oh, like with Bale and that's Jet Lucas, right? Uh, yeah. At the yeah, when he jumps out and he's like a brave Padawan, I was like, that's what Ahsoka would do if she was there. Uh-huh. Or would she? I don't know. I don't- no, she totally would. She totally would. <laughs> uh, my Ahsoka headcanon for Revenge of the Sith is when Obi Wan, not when Obi Wan, when Anakin is in Yoda's chambers. And he, Yoda tells him to let go of everything he fear, fears to lose. And Anakin, like, puts his head down. My headcanon is that he's, like, feeling regret about Ahsoka in that moment. That would be great. Would be- <laughs> Sorry, I, I just had to talk about Ahsoka. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> it, <done. laughs> Ahsoka is missed in this movie. Any mention of her, it's just, it's, it's missed. Anyway, mm-hmm. I think we've talked a lot about the characters. Let's move on to our catch-all. Yay, catch-all. Gotta catch them all. Rise. Critics everywhere are raving about Revenge of the Sith. Ebert and Rupert give it two thumbs up. And the New York Times explains, it's better than the original Star Wars. The most emotionally powerful of all six declares the Boston Globe. And the Chicago Tribune says, Episode 3 delivers. Star Wars, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, rated PG-13. Now playing. All right. Welcome back to part three, our favorite segment. Actually, they're all our favorites, but this one is a lot of fun. This is our catch-all where we are talking about Twitter questions, special features, novelization, literally anything we want to talk about and haven't covered already. So, Charlotte, what is first in your catch-all? Um, <laughs> I have a lot of Twitter questions. We have so many Twitter questions. Thank you guys yeah, so much. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we, because they were kind of in the back of my mind, we, like, discussed some of them. But mm-hmm. um, I'll go through some that are top of mind. Rob, Rule of Two Review, at Rule of Two Review, how do you feel about how the theme of revenge was handled in the movie? I think it was executed very well in terms of Anakin's arc. What do you think, Caitlin? I think so. I yeah. mean... I do too. No better way to get revenge on someone than wiping out an entire organization. So <laughs> they okay. were pretty successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I love that this movie is called Revenge of the Sith after them changing the title of Return Jedi. of the Jedi from Revenge of the Jedi because, yeah, I just love that. And I think that 
probably because I wasn't really in fandom at that point, but I bet when we got that title, people were like, oh my God, like the callback. Like, can you believe yeah, it? This movie's going to be dark. And I think that's really cool. <laughs> it's so dark. Yeah. <laughs> I kept thinking in this viewing, I was like, I want to see Revenge of the Sith on the big screen. Like the most of our battle scene, I cannot imagine seeing that in the theater. I want that. I need that. Someone set that up for me. Please. And thank you. <laughs> I, I want to see Revenge of the Sith in the theater again, too. I want to see all the Star Wars movies in the theater again. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, yeah, last year. <laughs> yeah, Rogue One. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> I just have to read this because I think it's so funny. Our friend Nancy at Nancy Pan said, I have burning questions about Anakin. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> 10 points for you, Nancy. 10 points. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ben Walker Ryan asks, talk about the deleted Qui-Gon scene and how you would feel if it was changed, if the, if, how, how you would feel it changed, it would change the movie if it was left in. It's the, when he says no Anakin, right? No, um, it's the part where With Yoda, Yoda? Okay. yeah, which I think to me, it would have been really good and it probably would have added to our our parallels between The Phantom Menace mm-hmm. and we would have had more thoughts about The Phantom Menace and it wouldn't have made The Phantom Menace feel so disjointed. Um, yeah. But we've gotten a lot of the Qui-Gon stuff in The Clone Wars, so I, I don't mm-hmm. feel like it's missed that much. But I think it actually would have answered the whole, like, an old friend who has learned to communicate with another world of the fo- whatever, right? It just kind of comes out of nowhere. It comes out of so much. Like, like it, it is out of nowhere. And it would have been really have good. have you had time to communicate right? with Saigon Jin Yoda? No wonder you couldn't <laughs> get Sidious. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> then Brian Bailey at Balls and Play asks, how does Anakin use the Force Choke in the Jedi Temple if he just fell to the dark side moments ago? What did he learn and who did he learn it from? Is he tapping into raw emotional Force powers? So I thought this question was really interesting because we've seen Anakin in the Clone Wars use the Force Choke. However, like... In terms of movie. In terms of movie, we've never seen him do it. So, and it wasn't really like that dramatic of a like intro and there was no discussion about it. So in terms of movie, like, it's like oh my god, like, there he goes. And I think that you're right. Like, <laughs> <Off the> dark <laughs> side, side. I think that, Brian, you're totally right. Like, he is tapping into raw emotional force powers because even in the Clone Wars, when we see it, it's like, he's he wasn't supposed to do that. He You're not really supposed to, like, force choke anyone, right? It's That's on the Jedi Ten Commandments of what not to do. Yeah, like, it's honestly, like, not okay, right? <laughs> I, I think this ties in nicely to our dark side barometer discussion, <laughs> uh, where basically, to Charlotte and I have an episode where we talk about this, but basically, I don't even know how to explain this. Okay, so basically we're talking Anakin. about how, we, we talked about how Anakin never actually fully goes to the dark side because he is able to, light. yeah, he's still, yeah, yeah is able so to bounce back yeah, from, to the light side. Yeah, so it's like a barometer of dark side. So I think Anakin has always had dark side in him. And I think we've seen that throughout the various films. Um, and so, I I mean, I think now that he, like, tapped into more of that dark side, his powers have reflected that. And also, I mean, we've seen the Force, like, move things and the Jedi have, like, called things to them with the Force. So I don't think it's that much of a stretch to use the Force for a Force choke. Yeah, me neither. I, yeah. I, but I do yeah. definitely think he's tapping into the raw emotion. Yeah, 
emotions of like just being new to using this dark side of the force and like being able to do that yeah and it's like sporadic almost like coming out of him it's completely fueled by his emotions it's almost like he doesn't really have control of it definitely good question Mm -hmm. so the next one is from chris contreras at beta 76 which scene impacted each of you the most? For me, it's a toss-up between the scene with the younglings and Anakin versus Obi-Wan. To me, I've always been... A, okay, impacted me the most. Um, the one that got the most emotional response from me is Padme and Anakin on Mustafar. But mm-hmm. my favorite scene is when Padme tells Anakin she's pregnant, and I just think it's, like, so pure. I love that scene. My this viewing, it was when Obi-Wan watches the security recording tapes. Mm -hmm. That one just like hit me in the gut. Um, Generally, in Revenge of the Sith, my favorite scene is when Anakin is walking to kill the Trade Federation on Mustafar. Or no, when he's I'm sorry, when he's walking into the Jedi Temple. Um, I love the lighting in that shot. I think everything about that shot is perfect. I love Hayden Christensen's performance. Uh, That one like always gets me so excited to see it. But I think, yeah, the end of Revenge of the Sith with when Obi-Wan is yelling down to Anakin, that one also really gets me. And and he, like, turns away and he looks back and it's like you can't kill him, but he's not going to help him either. And, like, that must have been the hardest decision. Totally. The other scene that gets me is when Obi-Wan goes to... Padme's apartment. I, I I honestly truthfully That's don't a mean really good scene. to keep on bringing up scenes with Padme, but like honestly I really do think that's one of the best scenes because even the transition where Yoda's like follow your what did, what does he say? Um I don't remember. Yeah, and find him you will. And like then the <laughs> next scene is like Obi-Wan like Padme. and pa- and I just think it's like so snide and then finally like all this secrecy, all this, everything that builds up to it of, you know, it, and then Obi-Wan asks, like, Anakin's the father, isn't he? I'm so yeah. sorry. And it's, like, it's so good yeah, and it's like devastating. Yeah, so grappling with what has to happen. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, Obi-Wan has already knows that Anakin has to die. And he's also taking orders mm-hmm. from Yoda, too, at the same time. So it's, like, it's a conflict of interest for him as well, but he has to do it. And he even tells... Yoda, he's like, I can't do like I, you can't ask me to kill. Yeah, Anakin. send me to kill Palpatine. the Chancellor. And yeah, Yoda's like, no, you're gonna go kill Anakin. Jeez, dang, that's it's, a really hard scene too. It's a really like good performance from both of them too. I think that Natalie yeah. Portman does a really good job. Like her face gets like she super does. red, and like it's, she doesn't know what to say. Yeah, it's, yeah, she does a great job. It's good. It's really good. Um, okay, so Xander Strickland at Mr. Zanban. Zan man. <laughs> Zan man? <laughs> um, he asks, what are your thoughts on the Order 66 montage, considering in 2005 we weren't really familiar with the Jedi that were shown? <laughs> this really makes me think of, like, when we <laughs> were, like, binging the Clone Wars, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like a year mm-hmm. after it was uh, started. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> we just popped in Revenge of the Sith so, one day. Yeah, and, had and our we were, like, torn out. <laughs> by the Plo Koon... Oh Little my god! <laughs> we were like, "Oh my god, I'm so <laughs> devastated," and we were like crying. <laughs> yeah. It was really rough. It was really because you're you're right. Uh, the first time wa- watching uh, Order sixty six prior to Clone Wars, it's like, "All right, man, really sad, but like, let's get to that Mustafar scene. I know it's coming, you know." Um, mm-hmm. But oh my gosh, and like 
kayaking Monday, and all I kept thinking, do you remember that episode? It's the, it's like Siege on Ryloth. It's not Ryloth, but it's like where they're, where Anakin and Ahsoka are scaling the wall, and they like have a count of how many droids they kill, and they're like competing with each other, and kayaking Monday's like, I would never do that, but by the <laughs> way, I beat both of you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then he dies, and <laughs> it's, yeah, but seeing Plo Koon crash was heartbreaking i know it's 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 too much (laughs) it is but i don't think that scene has that scene doesn't have a lot of emotional payoff without the clone wars yeah agreed i just think the music does a big job of it does but it can't it can't create emotion for characters we've never seen yeah because we have no we have seen those characters like we have but we're just not familiar with them we didn't know their backstory or anything so yeah yeah the casual viewer is like who are these people? Yeah, exactly. So. Um, okay, so our next question is from Sid at Grapefruit Rain. Best song from the soundtrack. Favorite Anakin quote. I'm a sucker for this one. And she goes, this is where the fun begins. Okay, best song from the soundtrack is Anakin versus Obi-Wan, Battle of the Heroes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. I've been really into Padme's ruminations lately. Yeah, I used to, I remember when I was in sixth grade and I used to pop on my iPod and listen to that song and I didn't want to tell anyone what I was listening to because it was like so bizarre. Padme's Ruminations. It was really bizarre. It's like so weird. I was like, but like, it's so interesting. It's such a crazy song. Anyway, um, and my favorite Anakin quote, that's tough. Oh yeah, from Revenge of the Sith. What's your favorite quote from Revenge of the Sith? I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to not to say, like, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. Yeah, exactly. I, I my think... favorite is democracy. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is how liberty dies with thunder supplies. Uh, like, yeah, okay, yeah. It's a given. That's perfect, a given. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love uh, Obi-Wan in the beginning when he's like, Sith Lords are a speciality. <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> it's so fun. I'm like, Obi-Wan, you cheeky. You cheeky Jedi. Wanjon Jedi asked opening battle sequence what did y'all think of it i love the opening battle sequence because i also love how when we break away from the crawl there's like the war drums yes the war the war drums were so good and it's like it's such a signal to me i mean like obviously because they're war drums but like they're in a war War (laughs) yeah and and it's weird because you know that the like technically the war ends yeah in this movie but the terror has really only just begun. Mm-hmm. War. The Republic is crumbling. under. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the opening battle sequence. It is perfect CGI. Like, it's honestly, really it, it has held so up. It's so good. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it. And I love how casual Anakin is about any everything in these, like, high-stress situations. And you see that, too, in Attack of the Clones when him and Obi-Wan are chasing Sam Wessel. And you see it now in this area, too. He's like, don't worry, Master. I'll save you. And he's <laughs> like, I'm going to get the buzz droids off. And just, you know, s- scrapes him off. <laughs> Another question from Benjamin Hart. If you could pick one deleted scene to put back in the movie, which one would you choose? What do you think, Benjamin? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I'm going to say Seeds of the Rebellion, even though I know it doesn't work. Yeah. But it, it's, such a, it's such a good scene. It's hard for me not to say Seeds of the Rebellion, but I really do like the added, like, lingo. It's Even though it's stupid, it's great. The whole, like, in the beginning, 
the deleted scenes on the invisible hand with like Anakin and Obi-Wan having like hand gestures oh, yeah, to like, signals. yeah, to signal like maneuvers. Like I love that in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, that's really cute. <laughs> I know people think it's dumb, but like, I, I think it's great. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, our great friend Britt sent a photo of like Anakin and Padme kissing and like, I honestly didn't realize that wasn't in the movie. This like one scene. What? Yeah, like black dress, Padme. You know, I know, I know the scene. I know it's not in. <laughs> this the is movie. like another like. <laughs> Wait, you didn't realize this? <laughs> Wait, Caitlin, can you tell the story about like me just being yeah, so story? stupid? I feel like this... I feel like I the world needs to know to tell this story. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's this tell the world. <laughs> you might have to help me with the beginning of this. When were we watching Revenge of the Sith when this came about? Um, I was in college, so we're, we weren't we weren't together. We discussing? Basically, the story goes at some point in our college careers, we were texting about Star Wars and Revenge of the Sith, and I I think I said, was it you? Yeah, I can't. I honestly can't remember how it came about. All right, you're being really bad at telling the story. I know, I know. I'll jump in though. <laughs> So I was having a moment in college where I was watching all the Star Wars movies. And, like, just to be, you know, you guys know, like, we don't, we love Star Wars, but, like, we like to save it for, like, those moments where we need Star Wars. Like, the films especially, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was in, like, a moment where I really needed to watch Revenge of the Sith. I think a lot of, like, the Force Awakens announcements are happening. And everyone needs to know that I remember I saw this movie like a jillion times in the theaters and the day it came out on DVD, I watched it every day until like December or like January when I got home from school. Yeah. And like, I remember exactly what day it came out on DVD, November 1st, 2005. And like, I watched it all the time. Right. And, um, and real talk (laughs) and you, Everyone knows I love Anakin and Padme, right? So I was texting Caitlin about watching the, watching this movie, and we were at the Mustafar scene, and I was like, man, this movie is so good. Like, I love Star Wars. I love Anakin and Padme. Like, wouldn't it be so good if they, you know, made, like, a love triangle between Anakin and Padme and Obi-Wan? Like, considering, <laughs> like, <laughs> considering, like, the lines that exist in... In this Mustafar scene, and I text her back, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> "What do you mean? They do set up the love triangle in the end. Like Anakin thinks that Obi Wan is like Padme is cheating on Obi with Obi Wan, and Charlotte texts me back and goes, "What are you talking about?" It's <laughs> like, oh my god. She literally what? had to, like, spell it out for me about the whole, like, yeah. you're with him. You brought him here to kill me. Like, the whole <laughs> you're with him. From me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, what was I thinking? <laughs> What's funny is that this hadn't come up sooner. That <laughs> yeah, I this was, like, recently. <laughs> yeah, this was, like, at least three years ago. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And... <laughs> And I was like, Charlotte, what about all those, like, Obidala vids and Obidala fix? Like, where do you think that comes from? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can't, like, I physically cannot believe that I'm having this conversation with you, Mrs. Revenge of the Sith, Hayden Christian. Like, what? I think that, like, love had blinded me, Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I didn't want to see any sort of, like possibility that that was a thing (laughs) that's true love Mm -hmm. that's true love there but it was is it it's obsession (laughs) 
<laughs> you are Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith is your Padme. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. But, yeah, it was like, what? What? How? How am I having this conversation with you right now? Have you watched this movie before? <laughs> yes. Was, the answer is yes. It was hilarious and... I will never let her live it down. No, and you shouldn't because I think it's like, it's hilarious. But but the thing is, is that that kind of brings me to my point where it's like, honestly, like setting that up would have been really cool. Like, I don't know where you, yeah, I don't know where you are in the novelization, Caitlin, but like even the part where Anakin in the black dress, uh, Anakin in the black dress, no, Padme (laughs) in the black dress, (laughs) um, that scene where Anakin's sitting on the couch and he's like, Obi-Wan's been here. And, like, there's this deleted scene between Padme and Obi-Wan that I think would have been really good and it would have, like, lended to that love triangle a little bit more. And I honestly wish that we got that and that set up a whole different component of jealousy for Anakin. So it was in the novelization. It's, like, heavily in the novelization and you also didn't pick up on it there? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) See, it's worse. I just made it worse. (laughs) Oh I was like, gosh. oh my god, what a great friendship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I die. I'm dead. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it's like, Charlotte does tend to have blinders on certain parts of Star Wars. Like, when we were last week, I think we were talking about Force Awakens and how our first viewing, you, like, did not notice any of the music at all. <laughs> yep. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, all right. Are there any more Twitter questions? We basically, like, there are, and there are some awesome questions, but we have inadvertently answered them in this discussion, which At is awesome. Point. Yeah. Yes. So thank you so much for sending in those questions. We love getting yes. them, and we love talking about them. So when we have the re- return of the Jedi. our embarrassing Star Wars story. Yeah, exactly. So. so, like, when we have the return of the Jedi one, send in some questions because we'll definitely get to them. Um, also, I will say in uh, Revenge of the Sith has some really great bonus features aside from the deleted scenes. It has that making of a scene oh, deleted, yeah. uh, not deleted, a bonus feature where they basically go through, I think this is really cool and not enough films do this, but they basically go through every person that is in, was involved in the making of the Mustafar scene from beginning to end. So all the way from like production to the caterers, to the makeup, to ILM, to Ben Burt, like everyone. And they do like this really cool like word map where they like break out all the departments and then all the people in each department and like give them a little shout out it's really cool it's like an hour long it's it's really fun I remember watching Uh, the deleted scenes with you like mm -hmm. with every movie when we were first getting into Star Wars together and yeah um the Revenge of the Sith ones because it was like the last Star Wars movie are especially robust and I miss that about the Disney releases to be honest we got so many good bonus features with past releases what's so interesting about the bonus features of revenge of the sith is that they do this whole like 15 minute featurette on filming the last scene of revenge of the sith and like how monumental it is and how sad it is and then they do all these shots of george lucas at the indianapolis celebration Mm -hmm. uh in 2005 and what's funny is that he's talking about the live action series which is one of my earliest conversations of with charlotte (laughs) before i even started watching star wars 
because I was super into, I know I've told you guys I was really into Sailor Moon at the time, but I was also really into Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> so Charlotte and I, I, I don't know if we had like a deal or something. I don't know. But every day at lunch, we would sit at the end of the table in the cafeteria and I would tell her about the last Little House on the Prairie episode I watched. And you would start telling me about this live action Star Wars series that was just around the corner. <laughs> I was like, Star Wars isn't over. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> and there is still no live action Star Wars TV show. <laughs> I'll take like a jillion more movies over the live action TV show. But I like, know. I'm so ready yeah. for the live action TV show. <laughs> just so that I could be like, oh my God, it's finally happening. <laughs> it's so funny because he, he at the Indianapolis. It's interesting because of the Indianapolis celebration. He's talking to the crowd about it. So it's like it was really far in development. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's like it was a thing. Caitlin. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I just think it's so funny because that is one of my earliest memories of you is talking about that show at lunchtime. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should go watch the featurette. It's fun. You get to see like early celebration if you've never been to celebration um, or if you've never been to celebration with less than 50,000 people <laughs> um, and like all the premieres is really fun. Um, it was a cute little feature at, um, but I think that's going to wrap up our show, right? Do we have any more thoughts? I mean, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> let me, let me, let me scroll through my notes real fast and see if there's anything I missed. I mean, I think <laughs> we went over it, everything. Did, oh, did this viewing like make you like this movie more? Or are you like, just like remaining like how does this is is this your favorite prequel no it's not it's not i just no, answered that question <laughs> thanks for knowing me friend yeah no i i've never i love revenge of the set this is the movie that we watched the most when yeah. we were young mm-hmm. um because you loved it and because i had no other framework <laughs> to work within but like i love this movie because that was a big part of us becoming friends was this movie um Aww. but Oh, I told you there'd be emotions. I think it's a great movie, though. It's like genuinely, it's an it's yeah, an amazing movie. Like on top it, of a Star Wars movie, it is, and like like all the cinematography in it, the the visuals, the music, a lot of the character beats. Like, if you don't like the dialogue in Revenge of the Sith, make sure you focus on facial expressions in Revenge of the Sith because they are so telling and so nuanced throughout all of the characters in this film, mm-hmm. and. It's, it's really great to watch. And I think it goes back to that's how George Lucas likes to tell stories. It's through visuals and through sound, not necessarily through dialogue. Um, at least not in this, in this iteration of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and can I just, I just have to give a little shout out to R2-D2 because I feel like we haven't really talked about him. Um, and that droid is so great. And I never noticed that he picks up on Anakin, like something being off with Anakin after Anakin goes to see Padme for the first time, yeah. after he's turned to the dark side. Yeah, he knows. And, and C-3PO is like, R2 like chirps something, and 3PO is like, oh, well, he's very stressed. And R2's like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, um, he knows. And then he dies. And then with Padme, when she's when they're leaving Mustafar, he like stays by her side. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and just something I thought was funny, too, is in the beginning on uh, the... Um, in the beginning when they're trying to get the elevator shaft to turn off. And I'm like, R2 is like the smartest droid in the world. He has a freaking jetpack that he doesn't have like a volume button or like a, I know. (laughs) It's It's so funny. (laughs) 
or like even just like internal speakers. <laughs> I know it's so great, and it's like okay, R two. Honestly, like you're not inexperienced here. <laughs> yeah. You're a spy. You've no, my fa- my favorite thing before. is like when he comes to rescue from the ray shields. <laughs> he just oh, comes yeah. in like screaming, <laughs> rushing in. I love R two. He's great. Oh my gosh, he's so great. And then at the end, when Bale is like, "Oh, and wipe the protocol droid's mind." And R2's like, ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's not even like, oh, Like, he's like, ha! <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> what a great droid. Yes. Um, all right. All yeah, right. I think wrapped up everything. Okay, I'm ready for Return of the Jedi. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod or individually at Clarity and at Caitlin Plusher. And we're also on Instagram at SkyTalkersPodcasts where you can find all pictures of fun with fandom. You can also find many things on SkyTalkers.com. Go there. Check it out. Um, and we also want to mention, you may have noticed on our Twitter, um, we have been promoting uh, donations for Puerto Rico and for just helping out. They've been through so much. And actually, um, over on the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, Jonna Marie, uh, she has family in Puerto Rico. So it definitely hits home for her as well as us. So you can find out more information on any of our Twitters and also the Star Wars Escape Pods main Twitter handle as well. So if you like what you hear and you want to support us, you can head on over to our Patreon page to help support us. Um, We have some really awesome shows there and some bonus content, some goofy, some serious. Um, But we want to give a big thanks to our patrons, Chuck, Emma, Amy, Ryan, Dean, Suara, and BJ. Thank you so much. We are so grateful. And one more thing. Thank you to those who left us such amazing reviews on iTunes. I... They help us so much. I know the new iTunes iOS is like really confusing, but I can't tell you how much we appreciate getting your reviews. It helps us so much. Um, And also, I I think the next time we're going to talk to you guys is probably when the Last Jedi trailer drops. So Caitlin and I will definitely be recording a reaction to that and talking about it as soon as we can. Right, Caitlin? Oh, boy. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, see you then. And yeah. thank you so much. And may the force be with you. May the force be with you.